It's Sunday night, it's 9.30, and it's time for the last word on the weekend's action. Welcome to the live Jersnet podcast. We're here to talk you through all things Rangers that have cropped up in another week of Scottish football that could only be described as mental. So tonight on the show, we're going to take a look back at Friday night's draw at Hibs, as well as previewing the Scottish Cup tie against Aberdeen in midweek, before we finally ask what the hell is going on in Scottish football after yet more controversy from the stands. My name's Ross Bennett and I'll be your host this evening. I'm delighted to be joined by two guys who are with us from the very start of the Jersnet podcast. First up, we have the uh, the only man who spends more time on Twitter than Donald Trump. It's good evening to Colin Armstrong. Colin, how are you doing? Good evening, Ross. How are you? You feeling a bit better? Aye, feeling smashing, raring to go yourself. Not bad. So the runny bums away then? The runny bums away. <laughs> like it was the other end that was worrying me, to be honest, but uh, okay, uh, that's, okay. that's a different show. <laughs> Also, returning to the pod this evening and making his first appearance on the live show is David Fraser. David, how's things at your end? I'm good, thanks, Ross. Yourself? Aye, very good, very good. You excited to be with us on the live live edition? Well, you're a bit behind the times, man, because I've been on live. Oh, have you? Oh, me, uh, me no listening to our own show, that's shocking, isn't it? Well, you were sitting in the band, to be fair. So. I, was, I, was in, I was in no fit state, man. <laughs> Yeah. through the eye of a needle. <laughs> TMI, Colin, TMI. TMI. Right, well, as you can probably tell, we are quite clearly live because we're talking about my arse. So please do forgive us for any wee mistakes or any naughty words that slip out accidentally. We didn't mean it. Um, also, we've made sure that the comment section of the YouTube stream is switched on. So this is your chance to join in with the show. Get involved. Give us your questions. Let us know your thoughts. Join the conversation. Um, right, before we talk about my, the state of my bowels anymore, I think we had better crack on with the show. Obviously, the starting point this week is going to be Friday night's draw at Easter Road. Um, for me, an incredibly frustrating game because the first 45 minutes showed how good we can be, uh, albeit not sticking the ball in the back of the net. And then the second half, everything just went wrong. Colin, how did you see this one on Friday? Just much like you said there, Ross, really frustrating. Uh, it's just another sign, again, that this team probably isn't good enough to win a championship. We're not consistent enough. We can reach the levels required to beat, you know, you know, obviously we beat Celtic in the 29th of December there. And we've, you know, we've performed well in Europe and, you know, we've got some pretty big results, but this, this team doesn't seem, sorry, this team doesn't seem capable of doing that on a consistent basis. Uh, I've done a wee calculation on Friday after the game and I came to 15 points that we've dropped against the likes of St. Johnston, Hibs on three separate occasions. Uh, the defeat at Levy, Motherwell, you know, these are teams, Dundee up at Dens, you know, these are teams, you know, if you're going to win championships, these are the games that you need to take care of. And on too many occasions, uh, we've not done that. Aye, that's that's the frustrating thing is the is the silly drop points, I think, is is the frustrating thing. Although it's, it's a weird one this week in that it, it was hugely frustrating, hugely disappointing to end up dropping two points on Friday night, but we never... We never lost any ground thanks to Aberdeen on Saturday, you know, holding Celtic at, over in the East End. So it's kind of yeah. a, it's a wee bit bittersweet in a way. Yeah, and there's a mentality thing here as well. You know, if we had won on Friday and then Celtic had won, we would probably be sitting here going, well, we've done the job uh, that we needed to do. You know, we've kept up with them. The same outcomes sort of played out, but because we've dropped points, you know, it comes down to what we're capable of doing ourselves and, and it comes back to that, you know, we're not consistent enough or not. All Celtic need to do is, is match our results. They'll be fine. They'll they'll get over the line. So, you know, they went into the game against Aberdeen knowing they had that, that wee safety net that they didn't need to win it. 
Uh, so, it, as it's just it's a wee bit bittersweet and a bit disappointing. There's, we've, we've lost a game now. You know, that's another game down. There's, I think there's only nine games to go. So, we're kind of running out of time. And I just don't trust this team in terms of... I think Celtic could drop six or seven points and still be comfortable because I think we would do the same. I think, you know, this team's far too inconsistent. And I don't think we've got a six, seven, eight, nine, ten game run in us. Uh, and that's what we would need. I completely agree, and it's it's really annoying because, like I say, the first forty-five minutes on Friday showed how good we can be. Like we could be an an excellent football side. Um, we tore hips apart without sticking the ball in the net more than once. You know, we, we can be very good. We have decent enough players, I think. Um, but for some reason, this, the second half it just never really worked. David, how about yourself? How did you see this game, and did anyone particularly stand out for you? Hey, you. <sighs> I thought the, the the first half performance was excellent. Some of the interchange and one touch passing was slick, fast, um, made Hibs look very ordinary. Um, Glenn Kamara looked really good in the middle of the park alongside uh, Ryan Jack. Um, but as you guys have, have rightly mentioned, there it kind of kind of petered out in the second half, and and the old uh, inconsistencies that, that have haunted us throughout the season came back to bite us again. So why do you think that is then, David? What is it that's that's changed at half-time? Why is it such a game of two halves? Well, uh, Paul Heckingbottom seemed to um, cajole his players into shutting down space far quicker. We didn't have as much time in the ball. Um, I think he moved... He, he tinkered his, his formation slightly. We stuck with a tried-and-tested 4-3-3, which might have had a, an impact on the, the second-half performance. But... Um, I think you could make an argument that, that we possibly blew ourselves out with the first half performance because some of the first half play was really, really fast and we were, we were just kind of tired a wee bit in the second half. But I think um, fundamentally, I, I'll go back to what Collins said right at the, the top of the, the show in terms of his answer, was uh, that we really don't have the players. Um, and I think that what you're saying, there, you know, we're, we're capable on occasions, but we, we, we don't seem to be able to sustain it, you know, for a full 90 minutes uh, against the kind of better sides in the league. And we certainly can't sustain it for any, you know, length of uh, run of games during the, the league campaign. I think that came home to roost on Friday night, unfortunately. So it sounds a wee bit like you're saying that this is more a problem with the players and the players' mentality as opposed to how the manager sets these players up. Is that right? I think so, um, and I'm not. I'm not absolving Stephen Gerrard any blame. I just think that, that Rangers don't have the standard of player to really go in a sustained run of games. I mean, can you imagine Rangers going that that Rangers team or squad of players going through a game? Sorry, going through a, a whole season um, undefeated. I kind of see it, and these. I don't know that that's maybe a bit unfair, but. You're looking for a squad of players that have that potential in them. Because, let's face it, when it comes to the old firm clubs, their budgets completely dwarf any other teams in the league. And when you factor that in, there should be the capacity to go a full league season, with the exception of the old firm games being you know, undefeated to the other teams. Um, the Rangers have lost uh, games where they shouldn't have lost. They've dropped too many silly points. And uh, that basically brings it back to the standard of player. Um, 
And I think that you know the the, the net spend that, that Stephen Gerrard's had is you know it doesn't amount to a heck of a lot. And I think that you're seeing that um, basically uh, you get what you pay for. Well, I'll take the point that you know obviously budgets and the calibre of players that we have should be well capable of of destroying every other SPL side, perhaps out with Celtic, of course. But is there no something in the fact that we are every club's cup final? Like everyone wants to beat Rangers because. I think we're we're slightly more beating Rangers is more achievable than beating Celtic at the moment. I think it's probably fair to say. So teams know they can beat us. They've seen in the over the course of the season that we've been beaten by some very mediocre sides. So like you see it with Hibs, Hibs are an average team, and yet second half on Friday they raised their game because they know they can get a result against Celtic. So to me, I think we need to be a little bit more lenient and forgiving to the squad, understanding that. You know, every every team is going to raise their game to face Rangers. They always have, and they always will. And when we've got a slightly poorer Rangers side, then we're going to be, you know, we're going to be caught out by these teams. I mean, Colin, David mentioned a, a moment ago, Glenn Kamara stood out for him. Have you been impressed with the impact that he's had since he joined the club? Oh, undoubtedly. Yeah, he looks a good player. Looks a tidy player. Uh, you know, he's mobile. I think he uses the ball very well. And in, in, in every game I've seen him, he's he stood out. Uh, so, yeah, yeah, he's been good. But there's there's not enough. I mean, c- coming back to, you know, an issue that David had raised there, you know, the, the mentality thing, you know, the image of Rangers, and I suppose the same with Celtic or, or any sort of, you know, top football club in any given league is that, you know, the fans turn up. And that team turns out, turns out and puts in a brilliant display, and the, the atmosphere's through the roof, and blah blah blah. The reality is, it's not like that. You know, th- these kind of occasions maybe pop up four or five times a season. More often than not, a lot of games are you just need to find a way to win. You know, because teams set up to frustrate us and, and 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 big teams all the time. So, a lot of games, even when Walter Smith was there, even when Dak Adlercat was there, when we had far better players than we do now, you know, we didn't win every single game through blinding, amazing football. Some games, you were in a fight, and it's just about mentality. You just find a way. That's what good teams do. They find a way. And I don't think there's enough character in this side to, to do that. If they turn up and everything's going good, yeah, they're fine. They, they, they look a good side. If they need to dig a wee bit deeper to find a result, more more often than not, I, I find you know a few of them wanting in that department and struggling a wee bit. And that's what it comes down to. It comes down to mentality. It, you can have two players, in my opinion anyway, you can have two players of equal ability. One with the mentality that can play for a club like Rangers and one that can't. And, you know, the mentality aspect is a big, big thing of it. You know, 70 minutes into a game at Ibrox, you're drawing nothing each from St. Johnson. Every time you make a misplaced pass, the crowd's on top of you. You'll get boys that hide. And there are boys on that side at the moment that are hiding when that happens. Big players just get on with it and find a way and get themselves through that. And you don't remember these games at the end of the season when the trophies are getting handed out. You don't remember the one nothings against St. Johnson or whatever it was in the last minute. You know, that day that you've dug out a result. You remember all the big games when you played really well. But all the way through the season, those type of games, you know, your season will be littered with those type of games where you will just have to dig it out. And I don't think there's enough in this squad to do that. So if a successful Rangers side depends then on mentality, temperament, character, how do we ensure that we get our recruitment right? How can we be sure that the players that we're, you know, we're, we're shopping in some bargain basement markets, obviously, we've, we've kind of done the English League One, English Championship, that failed. 
we've now started to look a bit further afield, bringing in Barisic, bringing in Gresda, these kind of guys, which in the case of those two, at least, doesn't really seem to have worked. So how do we make sure that with the budget constraints that we have, that we can appropriately scout guys that have the required skill and ability as well as that temperament? Uh, personally, I think that's quite difficult because, again, I think I've spoken about this before. You know, when you're at a winning club and you get people that have a winning mentality, when you introduce players to that dressing room, they might not have that men- that mentality or they might not be aware that, that they have that mentality when they arrive, but it gets put into them because there's a winning dressing room there and, and they learn how to deal with the pressures and they, they learn what the club's all about. What happened to us in 2012 getting chucked down the leagues and all the rest of it. You know, you ripped out a whole squad there, guys that had been there and done it. And we've brought in journeyman to get us back up to, to, to the top flight. So that's that that aspect's been been ripped out. There's no one in that dressing room who's really apart from maybe McGregor and, and Lafferty who have, have have been around the course before. You know what I mean? So players that are walking into that dressing room are not walking in to a winning dressing room. So there isn't any winners there to show people how to be winners. So can you buy that? I don't know. I think it's quite tricky. Obviously, I'm, I'm not suggesting we won't you know, win the title again, but that is one of the unintended sort of consequences, I think, of, of us getting chucked down the leagues a few years ago. You lose that winning mentality, and it's very, very difficult to get it going again. Well, then, is there anything that the manager can do about that to instill a winning mentality or instill that belief and confidence in this group of players? Well, I, I, I think that's what Gerard. That's one thing we get from Gerard being appointed. The guy was a winner, you know what I mean? With Liverpool, so he best will in the world to people like Pedro and Marty. You know, they're no Rangers managers in my book. We needed someone in there who had a big character, who knew what winning was all about, came from a big club. So, in our manager, I think we've got someone who can help in that. It's just about getting enough players in. To, you know that can that can do the job and it's at the moment you know we're sadly lacking in that as we see because we're just we're just far too inconsistent aye is, is that word every i'm sure that the word inconsistency has come up on every single podcast we've ever done this season it's it's the repeating theme and actually if there was a one match that could sum up our entire season it was probably friday night you know showing some excellent football for the first 45 minutes not taking our chances not sending out the same side in the second half and being punished for it. Um, staying on the game on Friday, David, talk to me about the referee. Do you think that his performance had an impact on the game? Undoubtedly. Um, Stephen McLean is a, uh, he's an abject referee, in my opinion. He, he missed a, a glaring penalty kick where David Gray pushed Fredo Morelos at the back post. Um, so, yeah, he did have an impact in the in the game. Obviously, uh, Hibs going forward just before we scored. And obviously, the, the, the linesman um, incorrectly flagged for offside with Hibs going forward. And uh, McLean overruled him, even though he was miles behind play. Um, how he could have judged that is beyond me. But... Fortunately for us, it didn't come back to bite us. Um, but yeah, but I mean, like we've, we've, we saw last weekend in the, the Aberdeen Cup game, Kevin Clancy again. Now let's let's be kind to Kevin and say that his performance was patchy, uh, and not let paranoia get the better of us. But 
We should, harking back to what Collins just said there, Ross, we should have players who can rise above the inconsistencies of refereeing. I'd like to think that we could, we should be recruiting players who can, you know, take that, you know, these kind of anomalies of, of decision-making in their stride and just provide the quality to, to, to get us over the line and get us past that. Um, but, yeah, to, to, to get back to your original point, I mean, Steve McLean's a nightmare. It's, it's not the first time he's had, he's, he's had a poor game where we're concerned this season. And uh, I'll to say, it'll not be the last. No, it'll certainly not be the last. I mean, every week, every single show, we're talking about referees. We have There's no quick fix, obviously. I don't know what to do about it. I don't think that foreign referees is the answer. Um, I don't know if making them professional full-time referees is the answer. I don't know what the answer is, but I think... I think we'll probably have to see some kind of change, whether it be to the refereeing training and coaching or the refereeing set up at Hamden or the compliance officer and the disciplinary process. I think there will be some changes over the summer and, and things will change up for next season, hopefully. Um, one last word on the Hibs game before we move on. And I'm, I'm going to talk, obviously, about the the moron, the clown who, who ran on the pitch and attacked our captain later on in the show. We're going to kind of talk about the state of of football and, and supporters across the UK and, and maybe further afield at the end of the show. I want to talk quickly about Gerard's record in the bigger games. And by bigger games, I mean games like Hibs, Aberdeen and Celtic, possibly Hearts as well, if you consider them a bigger game. Uh, to me, Gerard's record in these games now is becoming a worry. So we've, we've failed to beat Hibs three times of asking this season. We've played Aberdeen what, four or five times this season. And we've beaten them once. And obviously we're facing them again on Tuesday. So that's that's a wee bit of a worry for me. Celtic, we've got a 50-50 record with this season. David, does Gerard have a problem setting up for these bigger games? Is his record in these bigger games becoming a bit of a concern for you? Um, the, the lack of points taken from the, the games that you mentioned there would suggest yes. Um, I'm going I'm to come to the def- the defence of the manager, other than possibly the League Cup semi and the 1-0 defeat to Aberdeen at Ibrox just before Christmas, those are the only two games where I would actually question Gerard's, um his tactics against certainly Derek McInnes. You, you could make a, a case that uh, he, he got it wrong at Parkhead earlier on in the season, but I'll come a bit of slack with regards to the players being tired mentally and physically. Um, trying to beat Ufa to get into the, the group stages of the Europa League. But, yeah, I mean, it, it, would, it would point you in that direction, Ross. But I, I hark back to it. I don't think he's got the players. I think he's got a, he's got a formation that is certainly um, a lot of managers in European foot, top European football use the 4-3-3 formation. You could, you could criticise him and say, has he got the players to play that formation? Um and in his defence, I would cite uh, Alfredo Morelos playing the one-man up front row as justification for sticking with a 4-3-3 rather than changing it to a, either a 3-5-2 or a, a 4-4-2. Um, but yeah, he's, he's got it all to do. I think he's, I think I don't think that's lost in Stephen Gerrard. I mean, he's, he's, the frustration after the game on Friday night was palpable. He's after-match comments. Um, I, I could 
dare say I could picture him in that dressing room telling them what he actually thought of the performance um, and the fact that they can't chip away points against teams that they should be beating um, if they want to win titles. And, and, and Aberdeen and Hibs and Hearts certainly fall into that category. They're the only teams that, that you would really, you know, take out with that category of, of beating them home and away more often than not would be Celtic of it for obvious reasons. So um, he's got to put it right on Tuesday night, Ross. It's as simple as that. It's, it's, it's arguably the biggest game of the season. Do you know what? It's probably a good place. We'll move straight on to the preview of the Aberdeen game on Tuesday night. That was the question I was going to ask. So obviously we've got your thoughts there, David. Colin, how about you? Is this the biggest game of our season on Tuesday? I think every game. I don't want to sound like a cliche here, but I think every game that you know the Rangers play you know, is a big game. Obviously the consequences of losing this one, given the current situation in the league, you know, adds an extra edge to it. But it kind of flows back to what we were saying earlier on, you know, and about the mentality of being able to play for a big club. Every club, eh, sorry, every game you play for Rangers, it's a big game. As you said earlier on, other teams treat it like their cup final. You know, we're, we're, we're in a position where, you know, if you even just a draw, you drop two points and you're further behind Celtic. You know what I mean? So players, players of the opposition know that Rangers players are living under that pressure. So they'll, all, they'll, they'll try and exploit that. And it's up to our players to be big enough. And that'll be the same on, on Tuesday. You know, Aberdeen know that the stakes for us are, sli- are slightly higher than they are for them because Rangers are expected to win trophies, whereas Aberdeen just hope to win trophies. So it is a big game, but I think every game's a big game for Rangers. You know what I mean? Regardless. And I would actually maybe slightly disagree with the sort of stuff that was getting mentioned earlier on around uh, Stevie G and big games. I think if you look at this season, you know, Celtic have dropped points against Kelly, they've dropped points against Harps, uh, they've dropped points against us. You know, these big games are the games that you expect. You might drop points occasionally, especially when you're going away from home. If your pathology is always a tricky place to go to, Tynecastle can be a tricky place to go to, uh, you know, Celtic Park, all that. These are the games that you look at and think, well, we might drop points today. In my opinion, the problem this season was what I said earlier on. Your St. Johnson's, your Dundee's, Hibs three times. That's a poor Hibs team. You know, they are not a great side this season. That's six points we've dropped against them this season. These are the games, of course. So I don't think it's been the big games that have been the issue. Uh, if you take those 15 points that we've dropped against Diddy teams, we're in this title. I think it's a fair point. Um the inconsistency does kind of seem to stretch not across just the bigger teams or just the smaller teams. It's kind of across the board. It was the same in Europe in a way as well, if you think about it. Like, we got cracking results against Villarreal, both at home and away at home, when we were down to 10 men for the majority of the game. Um, and then never showed up in Vienna. Or we, you know, have a, you know, good results through qualifying, but then go to Moscow and concede four goals. Yeah. So the, the inconsistency seems to kind of stretch across every facet of this season. Um, every competition, every side we face, we're even inconsistent within games themselves, which is the real frustrating thing. Colin, how do you set up then on Tuesday to, you know, we have a physical Aberdeen side. Um, we have an Aberdeen side that have beaten us, you know, twice already this season that have drawn as well, that know how to frustrate Rangers, know how to stop us playing football. Um, we're at home. There's a lot riding on the game. How do you think Gerard needs to set this one up to guarantee the guarantee the victory I think I mean when I looked at the team on Friday night there I thought that was a strong team arguably 
their strongest 11. And that's how I would go into any game. I would start, especially a game with, with so much riding on it, I would go in with your the best players available to you and with the formation that has worked for the majority of the game so far. I, I don't know if this is a game to tinker with the system. I know McInnes is good at no counting on how Rangers play, but I think any time we've, we've changed it, I think he tinkered that. Was it St. Johnston? We went 4-4-2 at St. Johnston. We've got the last-minute winner. I think he brought in Lafferty and he went two up front. You know, there's been a couple of occasions when he's done that. Obviously, he's got the four, but, you know, at Kelly, that didn't work when when we had the four and uh, Morelos up front. I think this team largely picks itself, you know. I don't even have the strength and depth to say, right, oh, we'll tinker here and bring this boy in and try a different system. I don't think we're in a, a position to do that. So to me, he starts with his best 11. Uh, I've heard people saying, oh, does he drop Morelos because he's up for a booking and he could miss the semi-final if he qualified? Again, I think that's a... I think you go your best 11 and take the consequences after that. If he gets booked on Wednesday, on Tuesday night, sorry, then that's just the way it is. We have to make sure we're in there first. So to me, you go with your best 11. How about yourself, David? That's an interesting point that Colin raises there about Morelos um, potentially picking up that yellow card. Do you have kind of faith in the boy and confidence in him to keep his temper under control um, and, and no pick up that yellow card? Or do you think there's an argument to say leave him out and, and unleash him on Celtic in the semi? Yeah, I'm with Colin in that one, Ross. Um, I don't think we can, we can count our chickens. I think you need, you need Alf in the team. Um, whether he's got the you know, the wherewithal to, to keep his temperament in check, that's a different kettle of fish. Um, I, I, don't, I don't know, it's a difficult one to answer. I mean, he, he, could he could he be full victim to underhand tactics as he's done against Aberdeen in previous games this season? Quite possibly. Could he, could he be wrongly um, penalised by a, you know, a, an aberration by the referee, you know, Quite possibly, some people might say probably, um, but no, I'm, I'm, I agree 100% with Colin. You, you go with your strongest team, and, and Alfie is your best player, and you've got your player. I am. I'm on the same page as the period. Uh, we kind of mentioned a second ago that Aberdeen are a physical side, and they know how to stop Rangers playing. That's one actually one of the things they've been strongest at this season, coming up against us, is that they know how to stop us playing the football we want to play. So. How is it, David, how do you think we can stop Aberdeen from dragging us into a physical battle? What do we need to do to make sure we don't get drawn into just a physical slugfest out there? I don't... I think we we should be drawn into a physical slugfest. We just need to come out and talk with that physical slugfest. In previous games, we've we've let the red mist, especially where Morelis is concerned, we've, we've let their players get inside their heads and, and we've not been cute. Um, Morelis tried to be cute uh, at Petaudry, um when we won there last month and some of, his, some of his antics were a bit questionable to say the least certainly when you look back at the, the replays and, and, and TV um, obviously last Sunday you know he was you could say that we had a stonewall penalty denied um, and he was manhandled by Andy Considine in the box but um no, I think we, we, I would strongly imagine that where the game should be, could be won and lost will be in the middle of the park. In too many occasions this season, Graham Shinney has 
his uh, I've not dictated the game. He's, he's he has had a a major impact on the outcome of games against Aberdeen this season. And uh, last weekend, Ryan Jack had won his poorer games this season. Uh, he was getting a bear, the ball away quite frequently. I would be looking to Ryan Jack and uh, if, if he's assuming he's fit, uh, Scott Arfield and Glenn Kamara to impose themselves in this Aberdeen midfield. And that means um, schooling Graham Shinney. But Graham Shinney's a good player. He's a vastly improved player, in my opinion. And uh, hence the reason how you know, there's rumours going about that we're interested in, in signing him for next season. Um, but to get back to the original point, I, I would like to think that we should be up for the physical battle. We should be able to out-muscle um, an Aberdeen team. But what we're, we've just got to keep our heads. Don't, don't give a referee any excuse to send any of our players off. And that's where it's the mental side of the game where Rangers have fallen short this season, I think. If I, if I can just come in there, Ross, I, I think the games at Ibrox and Pataudry tend to be different. I think the, the sort of slugfest that we, we all know and you know, know well, these tend to happen at Pataudry when you know Aberdeen are at home. I think the games at Ibrox, it's a bigger park. I think if Rangers use that wisely, I'm not saying they'll not be niggling the game. But I, I, these games don't feel like awfully big games at Ibrox to me. You know, the bigger games, in my opinion, are the ones at Pataudry. You know, they're the games that are a bit more rough and tumble. You know, that's when Aberdeen dictate as the home team the tempo and all the rest of it. And that's what they want. You know, Gerard was quite critical of Aberdeen. They, they trained on the pitch on the Saturday last week. You know, cut it all up to suit their style of play. Well, we're at home this time, so the pitch, is, the pitch will be... More suited to your style of play. It's a bigger pitch. So I always think these games are slightly different. They're not quite as rough and tumble at Ibrox. So it could possibly suit us. But, you know, time will tell. I absolutely. I think that's a, that's a really fair point. And that will play into our hands if we can actually get the ball doing play a bit more football um, and, and not have to worry about a physical battle. Because I'm not, I'm not convinced that we would win the physical battles. I think, you know, Aberdeen do what they do. It's not a pretty style of football, but they do what they do reasonably well, in my opinion. You know, there's a reason why they've been consistently towards the top of the table for the past five years. Um, Colin, David mentioned uh, Shinney, Graham Shinney, as a, an improved player, a strong player, kind of the anchor of the Aberdeen team at the moment. Is he a player, obviously, with the rumours circulating at the moment that are, you know, only gathering pace? Is he a player that you'd like to see in a Rangers jersey next season? Uh, I, I agree with David. I think he's uh, he's he's an improved player. He's one that I notice now, and, and I've got to be honest with you, he never stood out before. Uh, he always plays well against us. My only concern when I'm coming to Rangers is, uh, you know, we had a chat before we came on air tonight. Uh, I tend to feel that we have a lot of similar players in the Rangers midfield. You know, I would be looking for a wee bit more creativity. I think Shinny is maybe just another version of what we've already got. So that would be my my prime concern. But uh, I think he's he's shown good enough form to, to deserve a move to Rangers. But is he any different from what we've already got? I'm, I'm not so sure on that one. I think I agree with you there because our midfield is, is kind of cluttered at the minute with, with a lot of players that could all kind of be doing the same job. I, I don't want to you know, question the recruitment of players like Ryan Jack and Glenn Kamara who have both come in as for me, surprising end of contract moves that I never really expected to happen. I wasn't that fussed. I was never overly excited about Ryan Jack or Glenn Kamara coming in. And they've both 
absolutely prove me wrong. I think Glenn Camaro looks like an excellent wee bit of business for 50 grand. Um, and Ryan Jack, obviously, his, his game against Aberdeen was poor, but he's come away for that injured, which possibly explains why his passing was so wayward. Um, other than that, you only have to hear the way that Stephen Gerrard speaks about Ryan Jack to understand how important he is to this side. So I think, obviously, when you sign players from your own league on end of contract, you have no excuses because you, your scouting is ready-made. It's done for you. You see them week in, week out. So if if the management side think that Graham Shinney can improve us, then by all means, he's not going to be on a, a huge packet. He's not going to cost us a lot of money. Um, it'll weaken one of our rivals significantly, I'd argue. So, I mean, it's not the primary reason to sign a guy, but it's, it's a consideration, absolutely. Um, my only problem is, like you call him, where does he fit in? Because we've got Ryan Jack, Glenn Kamara, Ross McCrory, who is obviously in and out of the side at the moment, but certainly, certainly has a role to play. Um, and I'm sure we'll have more of a role to play in the coming seasons. Stephen Davis, who the manager this, this weekend has said he certainly envisages Stephen Davis still being here next season. Um, Scott Arfield as well, playing in the centre of the park. Lasana Koulibaly looks like he must be on his way home, surely. Um, We've got a lot of players that could all be doing the same kind of job. So the only concern I would have with Shinny is quite where he fits in. He almost seems to be a bit more like an Andy Halliday type player. Like we could just play him in the centre of midfield if we need to, but we can also fill him in at left back if we have to. Um, I don't know, maybe a, a modern day utility player. David, how about yourself? Do you, do you think that Graham Shinny's the kind of player we need to be signing at this stage? Uh, I agree with you guys. Um up to a point. Graham Shinney, for me, he's got dig, Graham Shinney. Um, he gets about the pitch. He's left-sided, um, so he would add balance to, to the midfield, but um, as we've been speaking about the whole show, Glenn Kamara's come in and showed uh, great balance. He's he's added balance to that middle, middle of the park because he is primarily left-sided, although he is, he's, he's two-footed, so he's got balance with both sides of where he can they can move in the, in the park. Um, where the, the question is, would Aberdeen sell to us? Uh, that's debatable. Um, if he's out of contract, then that's a different kettle of fish. That's obviously down to the, the player and uh, the uh, Rangers, the, the club. I, I'm not so sure that Aberdeen would, would sell to Rangers. Um, I think they've got, a, they've got a chief executive who would, you know, would, would would block any move uh, for a, an Aberdeen player unless it was for funny money and obviously we're not going to pay Aberdeen funny money for their players so um, to answer your question in, in one word would, you, would I sign Graham Shinney? Yes I would but that would mean that other guys would obviously need to be shipped out in order to balance the books. I think that's the thing. And out of the players that we mentioned there, your McCrory's, your Ryan Jacks, I don't quite see who it is that would be shipped out in order to make way for Graham Shinney. I don't I don't quite see where he improves us, I think is the point. Handy player to have, useful squad player if we've got endless resources, but I don't quite see how much he improves us. But that's obviously where the manager well, and where the scouting team need to make their money, you know? Sorry to cut across you there. Sure. Well, the way you could look at it was, you mentioned there, interestingly, that you didn't fancy Ryan Jack. Now, would you would you say it's fair comment that Ryan Jack's improved the Rangers midfield? Undoubtedly. 
Well, I would say, Graham, she only would fall into the same category as, as Ryan Jack, where you, you were possibly have doubts about him coming. But I think if, if Graham Shinney came into the Rangers midfield, I think the, the midfield would be improved. Well, let's hope so, because if, these, these rumours don't seem to be going anywhere. So I, I, I hope you're right. Um, it's an interesting one. We also don't forget we've got Greg Doherty sitting out on loan at Shrewsbury, who's um, he scored again at the weekend. So I imagine he'll want to come back and fight for his place at the club that he grew up supporting. Obviously, work under Stephen Gerrard, one of the greatest midfielders of all time. Um, no better place to, to learn your trade as a midfielder. So... It's it's a strange one in midfield because there's there's a lot of players there all of a similar caliber, and I think there's going to be a real headache if we stock up too much there of, of how we fit them all in the side. Right, I think it's only right now that we move on um, to talk about the kind of the state of Scottish football and the state of football in, in a wider context after the scenes we've seen today. Obviously, um, we had on Friday night. As Tavernier goes to pick up the ball to take a throw in, he was the only word that I can think for it is attacked. A thug runs onto the pitch, um, boots the ball, uh, and and then turns to Tavernier, lifts his hands. Tavernier defends himself quite bravely. I have to say, it's quite brave starting a fight with the guy with all the dugs, but fair play. Um, Colin, do you now have concerns for the safety of our players? This is not the first time we've had issues with Hibs fans, of course. Are the players now unsafe going to their work? I certainly, uh, I don't want to be over, you know, dramatising the whole thing because I, I, I think the media are making a bigger issue of this than maybe what it is. However, when it comes to Rangers, I, I do think there's an element of we're fair game on this front. Uh, I think if you look at most of the incidents that have happened over the last two or three years, you know, you had the incident uh, at Motherwell with Lee McCulloch got a sort of pole shoved in his eye kind of thing, the flagpole. Uh, there was a pitch invasion that day as well. You know, the fans came on the pitch and made their way to the, the, the Rangers supporters. There was obviously the Scottish Cup final, everything that sort of took place there. Uh, we've had that incident on Friday. There was an incident at Easter Road previously. Uh, the ball came on the park. Was it Scotland? Scott Sinclair it was aimed at? So, you know, of all these incidents that have happened, uh, the majority of them involve Rangers, you know what I mean? So, but, you know, Rangers being the victim of them. So I, I felt for a while, the Scottish Cup final, that, that's the first time I've been at a game. Uh, if I was just myself, I probably wouldn't have bothered, you know, wouldn't have felt that intimidated. But I was there that day with my son, you know, who was only 10 or 11 at the time. And so I, it was, it was pretty scary. You know, you're thinking, right, this, this has got the potential. You know, you're, you're, I was behind the goal at the Rangers end. And the minute the Hibs fans came on, I knew what was what was about to ensue. I thought they're not coming on to celebrate, and sure enough, a good proportion of them crossed the halfway line, ended up behind the goals where we were, and then you've got boys where where I was, you know, climbing over the seats to try and get down and and and, and meet them. So, yeah, I, I, I kind of felt a wee bit worried for my boys' safety that day. I was at Easter Road last season. Uh, the game we beat them 2-1 just before Christmas. Uh, Morella scored, and I think, was it one dash that got the other? And I was kind of close to that corner. I was behind, I was obviously on the Rangers end behind the goal, really close to that corner. And, uh, you know, the hatred, it has, has to be seen to be believed, really. You know what I mean? There is a real unhealthy dislike for Rangers Football Club out there. Uh, now, I get rivalry, I get that. Uh, but, you know, it just seems to me that 
when it comes to Rangers, when it comes to our supporters, you obviously had incident. There was a couple incidents in the semi-finals against Celtic. I think there was two young boys got bottled. You know, uh, so yeah, I, I have increasingly felt that there's a, a feeling amongst Rangers that it's fair game for us. You know, songs coming on the park, whatever. It's it's allowed when it's Rangers. The difficult thing for me is that. I don't want to sound over dramatic like yourself, Colin. You know these things can be sensationalised a wee bit in the media, and and everyone can have a slightly hysterical reaction. But without meaning to go over the top, that lad who who came on the pitch on Friday and and got his hands on Tavernier, he could have had a knife at like easily. I know you right, you get a wee frisk on your way into the stadium these days, but I mean, it's if you're telling me that you, there's no way you can tell me that you'd never get a knife in under your jacket or in your sock or something like that. He could have had a knife. And uh, and there's no protection for the players. Don't know where the stewards were. Don't know where the police were. The steward that actually grabs the boy back never even jumps the barrier himself. He just kind of leans over to hold him. So I think there's legitimate concerns for player safety, for fan safety, of course. Like you, Colin, I was at the Scottish Cup final. Um, I wasn't so afraid because my bird was with me and she could batter anyone. But <laughs> uh, um, I think there is legitimate concerns and and it's not just it's not just Rangers, you know. Obviously, Scott Sinclair has a bottle of Buckfast, loved it as he'd, and it it's no totally out of the realms of possibility to say that could that could do the guy serious serious damage if if that hits him in the head. I mean, it's, 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 as, much, it's as much as much as I do not like Scott Sinclair, I don't like any Celtic players. That's because they're our biggest rivals, right? Aye. That's how that's how rivalry works. I don't like any of them, and that's fine. I don't want to chuck a bottle of a buck fast at them. You know what I mean? These, at the end of the day, these people are at their work. You know what I mean? Exactly. And they're, they're, they shouldn't. I know you get rivalry, as I said, and you're, you're going to get, you know, the, the comments and the rest of it and some unpleasant songs. And when you go up to get a throw in or whatever and you're close to them, you're going to hear somebody calling you this, that, and the next thing. To me, that's water off a duck's back. You know what I mean? Sticks and stones and all that stuff. You know, when people's you know, well-being is endangered a wee bit, then that's a different thing. And by the way, you know, you have to look at the how seriously the authorities take this, you know, because that, that steward that you were talking about, and there was an incident in England today, obviously, at the Villa-Birmingham game. You know, they're all moaning about the stewards. Would you get in the, the way of someone for minimum wage? You know, if someone comes running down the stairs trying to go in the park, are you going to risk your, your own well-being for no, no, six pounds an hour or something? Well, that's the thing, you know, so we, we can't, I don't think we can be overly critical of these people when, you know, who should be dealing with these incidents as the police have? The police have more, straight away, visually, you see the police, you think, oh my God, right, I can't go on that part. You see a steward on £6 an hour, you think, fuck him, I'm, I'm getting on that part and I'm going to have a go. So we have to look at how seriously do we take player safety? How seriously are we treating this? We can't, we can't have a, a wishy-washy way of dealing with it. And then when that goes wrong, you know, we say, oh, this isn't good enough, the stewards aren't good enough. The one I always remember is when the Rangers scored the, the last-minute winner at, at Thistle, and a couple of them came on the park, right? And there was, there was that image of that wee woman just standing there with the, with the yellow jacket on, just standing with her, hand, her, her arms out, you know, as if, right, nobody come on the park. There's no way she was getting in the road. You know what I mean? There was absolutely no danger she's going to risk her own well-being. She's there for a wee bit extra money. I know guys who have done the stewarding when it was rock steady and they've done it so they could see the game without paying. You know what I mean? So we have to ask ourselves, how seriously do we take player safety? How seriously do we take policing and stewarding? 
because if we're putting people in positions that, that their own safety's in jeopardy and we're paying them pittance, well, you get incidents like, you know, what happened on Friday. And the difficulty is with that, of course, is the fact that we can ask how seriously do we take it, but how seriously do the authorities want to take it up until the point that someone actually gets seriously hurt? That's the only time that I can see that this is actually going to change, is, you know, we can say Tavernier has a lucky escape, Jack Grealish today playing for Villa has a lucky escape. Um, at what point do things actually change? Because it seems like there's no appetite for the change. You know, we can all, everyone sits around saying, oh, it's terrible, this guy's a moron, this guy's this, he deserves the jail, whatever. But there's no impetus really to change. And I think the, the only way that things will change is when someone gets seriously, seriously hurt. And unfortunately, I have a terrible feeling that'll be one of our boys. David, we've seen some terrible things, obviously, from the stands over the past few months. We've seen coins being chucked. Um, we've seen, obviously, player invasions, bottles being thrown. The Hearts goalkeeper got punched whilst he was playing. That seemed to be missed by the cameras, but he ended up down on the floor. Um, is this is it getting worse, do you think, David, or is it just having a bit more of a spotlight shine on it at the moment? I think it's, it's definitely getting worse uh, in terms of maybe the last 30 years or so. Um, certainly, in my time following football, it's becoming more prevalent. Um, we don't want to see a return to, to moats at stadiums, or stadia, I should say. Uh, we don't want to see fences keeping... Uh, fans in. Um, obviously, that maybe doesn't have the, the same safety implications that once did when it was when, when grounds were, were terraced. Uh, we had crushing kids, you know. Obviously, the barriers were tightened down in the aftermath of Hills were quite rightly. But yeah, you, you look at the, the incident um, on Friday night. Now, the, the reporting in the media of that was that, that James Tavernier was confronted in inverted commas by a Hibs supporter. You used the word attacked. He certainly, it was more than confronted. But um, alongside that, you look at Jack Grealish today. Um, you know, the, the boy that ran on and, and swung a punch trying to kind of catch him in the jaw in the back of his neck. I mean, he, he could have hurt Jack Grealish. Thankfully, he didn't. Uh, the fellow himself, you know, kind of brushed himself down going to the game. But... Ah, it's becoming more prevalent, Ross. It's becoming a problem. And, you know, the, the kind of liberal side, he says, you know, you, you don't want to get down the route of someone being made an example. Because at the end of the day, you know, uh, you know, people are probably shaking their heads in disbelief at me saying this, but, um, I mean, they've not killed anybody, but is it going to take somebody getting their eye out? Somebody, you know, as you've alluded to, somebody running the park with, with a knife, and, and, and taking it too far as you know rivalries alcohol being involved drugs being involved um for you know a player to be assaulted uh, and, and you know and, and badly injured for the authorities to do something all, all this would take is, is the likes of the, the boy that ran on at easter road there is to you know hit him with a serious fine and no, no community service or anything like that you know he Hit him with something where it's it's gonna it's gonna send a message out to any any potential would be hard men that want to run onto the part and make a name for themselves at a game. Um you know, the, the going opposition fans is one thing, but 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 attacking players in the pitch is just it's it's, it's gone too far. And I think it's I think it's symptomatic of the the 
the lack of mentality among some of the supporters that go to games these days. I think there's there's, there's a lot of drug fueled hijinks um, as opposed to I mean, obviously there's alcohol involved, but I, I've I've noticed a, a, a big increase in the in a lot of drug taking at games, and I think a lot of it can be put into stuff like what you've seen in, in, in Friday night, where somebody's, you know, maybe fueled up in some Class A substances and thought to themselves, I'm going to run on here and I'm going to sort out to have a meal and, and look like the big man in front of the front of my cohorts in the corner there at Easter Road. And the, the longer it goes on, you, you, as you, you've alluded to, is it going to take for somebody to be properly injured before the authorities do something about it? Quite possible. I hope not. I hope... Um, I hope whatever comes out of this this Easter Road uh, episode actually, in the long run, acts as a deterrent to some of these these would be idiots. Yeah, but David, I would I would say that you know maybe some of this comes down to what happened at the Scottish Cup final. Players were assaulted on on that occasion. Lee Wallace was assaulted, you know, and, and several others got it, and some of the staff got it as well. You know, and that was all kind of brushed over and over exuberance and so when you when you get a major incident which happened at that cup final and it's so sort of you know glossed over as oh just a wee bit over exuberance you know it's a great day because Hibs won the final and blah 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 that gives would be people you know would be assailants in this sort of field that gives them you know the license and, oh, well that's fine if I do it there's there's no real repercussions I'll just do it I understand I mean it, it's, it's a far bigger there's more things contribute to it than than maybe people I, I think would, would realise. You know, you're, you know, what does this guy do for a living? There's probably every chance that he's, you know, he's he's not earning a lot of money. Therefore, he, he puts all his energy into identifying himself as a hippie and all that kind of stuff. You know, so there's there's lots of things contribute to this thing. But you know, when things do happen especially something that's as serious as what happened at that Scottish Cup final. I, 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 I'm still stunned to this day as to how that was viewed and how it was treated. You know, oh, I know you're, just, I thought, you're right, you're spot on. You're spot on. But uh, look, I, I hear exactly where you're coming from, Colin. Uh, and sorry to jump in there. But as Rod Petrie talked his, talked his way to uh, um, absolving his club of any blame and Liam Dempster within the, the corridors of power at the SFA, Quite possibly. What's going to happen on the back of this? I mean, Liam Dempster came out after the game and came out with the usual platitudes about being shocked and, and horrified about our club's name being dragged through the mud by one idiot and threatened to close down stands and all that. Is that going to happen? Mm, Probably not. Don't know. Another, another, don't know. Another, thing, another thing I've noticed as well with this incident, you know, when the Stevie Clark thing kicked off, you know, when he was on the receiving end of the... The, the sectarian song, and then when the Rangers fans unveiled the the flag at Hamilton, you know it was all strict liability. You know we need to bring in strict li- uh, liability. I've not heard anyone call for that after this incident. You know what I mean? There's been no sort of here's more proof to back up strict liability. It's been, it's been totally enormous. No, it, 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 it just it just seems to be again coming back to the point I made earlier on. It seems to be. Whenever it involves Rangers and Rangers are the guilty party, that's when strict liability gets mentioned. Whenever we're the victims, it's over. It's just over exuberance. It's nothing to worry about, and that needs to change. Before there's a serious debate on this, and before people actually want to sit down and fix it, and clubs will actually take responsibility. But one thing I noticed on Friday after that that happened, the first song that came for the Rangers fans 
in response to that was the Billy Boys, right? Now, that to me is just them saying, right, well, if you are going to come on and attack our players, we're going to piss you off with songs that you always moan about. And that's it. That, that's essentially what it comes down to. It's about people at, at clubs other than Rangers realising that there is a serious issue when it comes to Rangers in this country. People have an unhealthy attitude towards them. I, I don't mind being disliked. I don't mind a certain level of hatred. But the whole debate is so one-sided at the moment. It needs to change or nothing, nothing will improve. Well, the, the club have been a bit remiss and not coming out and, and uh, criticising the actions of the Hibs support. They, they've not come out and, and, and released a statement. Whether they're keeping their powder dry or not, but I mean, enough times elapsed where you're thinking uh, if they missed the, they take their eye off the ball here, missed an opportunity to come out and, and condemn the actions of, of uh, any supporter that comes on and, and attacks a Rangers player. Well, D- David. What difference would it make if we were to release a statement and say, we, the Rangers board, we disapprove of the Hibs fan that ran on and attacked our player? Does that make any difference? You know, Does that stop the, the next thug that wants to attack a player? Does that stop the next idiot who wants to chuck a coin or a bottle? Is that real? What impact would that really have? I don't expect anyone would really listen. I, I, I know it's, it, I know worth, it's worth pointing out that Rangers did release a statement after the cup final. Right, now Rangers on that day, they lost the cup final. That's fine, fair enough. These things happen. That that squad of players received their medals in a box in the dressing room because it was unsafe for them to go back out and be part of the official presentation. Rangers released a statement and almost every single media commentator derided it and, and described it as sour grapes. So why would, why would they make a statement now? You know what I mean? And this is the point. If, if Rangers are making statements when these issues arise, we're, we're just getting, you know, told, oh, stop being, stop your moaning. You know, it's not that big a deal. You know what I, I mean? But, point, but, but, but if a banner gets unveiled about bloody Stevie Clark at a Hamilton game, it's, you know, strict liability. Well, all the more reason to come out and point at it. Like, like see, I, I, fundamentally, I get your point. I get your point. But see, dignified silence. That's not done anything. So we, we should be coming out and condemning that as a club. Go, oh, this is unacceptable. And if it, if, it, if it takes pointing out other instances where other clubs have been treated differently, go down that road well, and actually raise it and say, no, look, this is a problem. But you're, you're basically driving at here is that it's one rule for everybody else and one rule for Rangers. And like actually come out and call it out. I would like to think that that sort of message is getting delivered uh, behind the scenes. Well, of course it will, it will be, but it still sends the wrong message to, to the support at large. I mean, there's, there's, there's tons of guys I think, how come they've not come out and said anything? I mean, there's, there's, there's Jack Grealish today. Villa was straight out after the, the game had finished with a statement. Birmingham City have dragged their heels with a statement. The game with at the Emirates between Arsenal and Man United, a guy ran onto the park, there'll be a statement there. How can we, I mean, Rangers went like that, or we we're just, we're, 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 the, the, the we're urinating against the wind, it's no, there's no point, no. That, that sounds like the wrong message, mate. The difference down there, David, is all the media will support every single club and the, the English Football League, who also released a statement, and I noticed that the SPFL came out in the back it two days late, so the main issue is, down there, Arsenal have released a statement. Man U have released a statement. Villa have released a statement. Uh, Birmingham City have released a statement. 
all the media commentators down there will agree with those statements. If Rangers were to release a statement, they would be mocked for it. That's that's exactly the point for me, is is the fact that if Rangers release a statement, you know, like you say, Colin, Birmingham release a statement, Villa release a statement, the media report the statement. When Rangers release a statement, the media report the fact that Rangers release a statement before they got their own house in order. Rangers release a statement, but they couldn't stop their fans unfurling a banner. They couldn't stop their fans singing the Billy Boys. Rangers release a statement, but remember back in September when they threw a coin at a linesman? That's the kind of balance yeah. that we're dealing with. And that, that, to me, that's the issue. Don't get me wrong. I've said on the pod before, you know, there, there, there's an element within the Rangers support that does us no favours on this front. But if, if I was on a football park, I would rather be called a fat orange bastard than have somebody come on and physically attack me. If you're asking me about the two things, what I would choose to, to have done to me, I would take the name Colin. But up here, name Colin's the big issue. You know, that's the thing that, oh, strict liability. We, we, we can't have this in our game. Oh, he's coming on the park and challenging players or confronting players on inverted commas. Ah, oh, over-exuberance. We, that, we don't want to get our knickers in a twist about that. That's not a big deal. That that incident you spoke about earlier on, Ross, the, the Hearts keeper getting punched in the face, that was almost erased from history because Neil Lennon got struck by a coin. That was the big story. You know, the the, the poor boy that took a, a, a sore face, he barely got a mention. You know, that, that was a side issue. Don't really worry about that. We want to worry about, you know, Neil Lennon, you know, here we are, sectarianism, yada, yada, yada. And I get that. I get that that, that that element is within our game. But each incident has to be taken on its own merit. Each incident has to be judged into how serious an incident it was. And Friday was very serious. You know, that guy's got on the park. As you pointed out earlier on, he could have had a knife. He could have had that, anything. And it's kind of, hmm, ho-hum, ho-hum. Steve Clark hears a naughty song and it's... Uh, Strict liability. All the more reason for to point out the hypocrisy of it, then, Colin. Do you not think? I, I understand where you're coming from, David, but I just don't know what it would achieve. I, I, it just feels like Rangers can't well, do right for doing wrong. At least, well, look, I, I'm not arguing you about where you're on that point, but Rangers have got a, a duty as a club. If, if, if they value the safety of their employees, and their supporters working on the basis that they, they, they will be afforded parity of esteem, then they've got a duty to come out and, and condemn the actions of, of, of rival clubs' fans attacking either our players on the pitch or our fans. They've got a duty to do that. And I, if, I, if, if the Scottish mainstream media have got a, a bias against Rangers and say, well, it's all right to... I mean, what's it going to take? Is it going to take somebody to get, to get slashed in the park with some some Hibs Ned? Or some, you know, what's it going to take? Well, we've already had, you know, we've had incidents at the, at the semi-finals that we're speaking about earlier on. Two young boys, age 10, bottled. I mean, that's that in itself. You know what I mean? That in itself is a serious enough incident, or serious enough incidents, because there was, there was two separate ones. For, for folks to say, well, wait a minute, there is an unhealthy attitude here when it comes to a certain club in Scottish football, right? Now, Fair enough, but, but never it's talking about players, though. It's not exclusive to it. No, but in my opinion, David, it doesn't matter whether you're a player or a supporter. If you're endangered 
then that's an issue. And it's an issue that needs to be called out. But it isn't. When it, when it comes to one club in particular, it's kind of neglected and it's kind of fair game. That's how it feels to me. And it's felt like that for a number of years now, that when it happens to us, it's fair game, right? right. And, that, and, and, until that, and until that is addressed, then we're not going to get anywhere with this, right? Because the whole thing, strict liability, all that, the whole thing is going to be weighted with, well, the only reason we're getting dock points is because we're we're Rangers and that. I mean, if if we're talking about strict liability, would Hibs have been deducted points for that on Friday? I'm not they convinced. Should. Aye, but I'm not convinced they would have been because no one's no one has made anything in terms of they've not made as a big stink, stink about it as they've made about the the, the Steve Clark incident uh, and the. the to a lesser extent, uh, the Chris Boyd thing as well. You know what I mean? That's These are the things that they, they focus on. As I said earlier on, they focus on the name calling. The actual physical harm to people or, or people being physically endangered, they don't seem to bother. And the Scottish Cup final is a perfect example of that. That's 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 that's, that's the biggest example you can see. Players and staff were assaulted that day. And that was it. Listen, I think it's a debate that we could have all night long. For me, I'm I'm kind of with Colin, and, and we've had a comment just here on the uh, on the YouTube stream from Christine saying that Rangers will take action on it, and we don't need a statement. That's kind of the way that I feel about it. Just because we don't say something publicly um, doesn't mean that action won't be taken. And by the fact that we don't condemn the activity doesn't necessarily mean that we condone the activity. Of course, we don't. Um, but listen, I think. We could we could run and run all night on this, and it's an issue that's kind of plagued our game over the course of the season. Um, in, up in Scotland, is uh, these moronic activities coming from the stands up and down the country? You know, from Rangers to Celtic to Hibs, St Mirren chucking coins, St Mirren fans spitting on an injured player being carried off on a stretcher. Some of the things we've seen this season coming from the stands are nothing short of disgraceful, um, and and we have to only hope that things can improve. I think. That's probably just about all we have time for. I'm, I'm conscious that we've now run over the hour, so I think we're probably going to have to wrap things up there. So I'd like to say a, a massive thank you, as always, to both Colin and David for both of their contributions this evening. If you guys have enjoyed the show, please do be sure to subscribe, leave us a wee comment, help us reach as many folk as possible. Also, make sure that you head over to the website at www.jersnet.co.uk. When you get there, you'll find loads of great content. You can join in the discussions on the forum, so definitely be sure to check it out. The show will be back next week, and I hope you'll be able to join us then for all the discussions. Hopefully, we'll be talking about getting through to the Scottish Cup semi-finals. All that's left for me to say is thank you very much for listening, and have a great week.